it's a bit of a weird spot that we're in in terms of like game releases that we are going to talk about. So we're going to grab the grab bag again mm-hmm. because that's the only thing we can do right now. Well, we've got a few games that we can just talk about that don't deserve their own episode. It's true. <laughs> and that's what the grab bag is for. Hello. This is episode number 45. That's like seven weeks away from an entire year of episodes, right? I don't know. I don't math. 52 weeks in a year? I don't know. I don't math. I always get confused. I think it's like 52 or 56. And I don't know why I get, where I get 56 from. Mm, I don't know. Math. This is episode 45 of the Seasonal Anime Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello. Hello. I'm Jared, joined by my favorite podcast co-host. Duh. That's Anladium. Hello. Google says it's 52.143 weeks. How do you get 0.124 of a week? <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, hi guys. It's me. <laughs> Google, I don't believe you. I think you're lying to me. Anyways, we're not going to get into math because A, that's bleh. And, and B, years, weeks, that's that's above our pay grade. It is. And also just like, it's boring. Nobody would care. <laughs> Even though we were earlier today talking about, what if we did a frozen pizza podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Frozen pizza is not boring. It's true. Math is boring. True. Pizza can never be boring. Well. Okay. Fair. Because Chuck E. Cheese exists and that pizza is bad. Well, I mean, I think there's a difference between bad pizza and boring pizza. Because boring pizza may not necessarily be bad. Yeah, but it's giving Nolan Bushnell money and thus it's bad. Okay, that that's that's a, <laughs> that's a technicality <laughs> in and of itself. Does he still get money from Chuck E. Cheese? I don't even know, but just the idea that it could potentially go to him just makes me want to throw up. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> I don't even know if I've ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese. This is not our pizza podcast. It's not, but now it really wasn't pizza. That's a bad thing to think about when you're just starting a podcast. I'm sorry, this is my fault. Yeah, it it happens. I mean, don't I don't go I, to Chuck E. Cheese though. True. There is one near me, so not that I'm going to go to it, but I mean, it's there. you have you have a niece. You could take her. I'm not going to. Okay, good idea. I don't want to. I don't. A. I don't want to go to a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> B. I don't want to potentially give Noah Bushnell money. Yep. C. <laughs> that place would just be real weird. I would assume so. Yeah. I don't want to be hanging around no animatronic animals. <laughs> it's creepy. Especially since one's a rat. Ugh. I'll fight it. Chuck E. Cheese is a rat. Well, yeah. Why would you ever trust a rat to give you good pizza? Right? It's defying all logic. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways. Hello. Hi. Let's dive into the grab bag. Let's do it. I still need a bag so I can make a noise when I do this, but Um, I have a bag, but it's over there and I'm I'm not getting up. I have. I, I can see a bag in my vision, but it's also out of arm's reach. So how about this? 
Here's here's my pillowcase, and we'll go. Uh, we have great sound design on this podcast. Yeah, we do. It's amazing. We have four games to talk about. Two of them mm-hmm. that we've 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 played and beat. Mm-hmm. I almost said beat and played, which is opposite. And yeah. then another two that we have we've played, but not necessarily beat. But we're gonna like talk about just in in generalities and kind of like what we're feeling about these these sort of games. Overall thoughts so far. Overall thoughts, exactly. And basically, another hot Otome minute with. With Al. Because you can't There's get enough of those. <laughs> I thought you were just snapping. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was snapping with finger guns. How do you snap with finger guns? Oh, I'll have to show you later. It's fancy. It's it's like a step above when you're really trying to impress people. <laughs> this is why I don't impress people, obviously. Yeah, I mean, but... <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Wait, it just dunk on me. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> um, but yes, more Atome with me. The Atome Queen. The Atome Queen. I mean, technically, we're talking about like three games today that you could basically classify as visual novels. So, yeah. Interesting. So, it's a lot of visual, a lot of novel in this very podcast. Uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start first? Um, I'll go. Are you sure? Sure, why not? Okay. So I guess I'll start with the Layton game that I played. So uh, if you are unaware, there was a new Layton game. It is called Layton's Mystery Journey, Catriel and the Millionaire's Conspiracy. Um, The 3DS version was released October 6th, I think. And, Sounds um, about right. There was an iOS version of it earlier this year, but I didn't play that one. It's basically the same game, I think. It is. Can I can and... I interrupt you for one second? Sure. I'm I'm very bummed that they took the Lady Layton name away from the, oh, the away English from... version. Yeah, I agree. Because that's such a better name. Oh, it is. I agree. Like I just keep calling it Lady Layton. Yep. <laughs> even though like it has this really complex and ridiculous title. So you're playing as uh, Professor Layton's daughter. Her name's Catriel Layton. Uh, mostly they call her Cat. Meow. Which they make all kinds of cat jokes. It's pretty entertaining. Um, and the whole gist of the game is that she is running a detective agency. And she has a assistant. His name is Ernest and she ends up getting her first client, who is a talking dog, who wants to know why he's a talking dog. And he can't remember his name, so she names him Cheryl. Um, Don't get the reference. <laughs> well, actually, his full name is, um, like, essentially Sherlock, but, like, all spelled out. It's, oh, I get it. It's a, it's a reference to Herlock uh, Sholmes from Code Realize. That's that's a that's a deep cut. I'm you know it, it you know, is. That's cool of all um, five to do that. For some reason, I'm thinking his name is like similar in that sense. But anyway, he um, he has this really really crazy name, and he's like this old British sounding man, which is entertaining. But um, so he's the first client, and they're supposed to figure out what's going on with him. 
spoiler alert, they never do. They don't even bother with that plot line ever, which is annoying. And you go through a few, like, regular cases. The first case is, like, the hour hand of Big Ben is missing, and you have to figure out what happened to it. And there's another one where there's a movie, and this was actually my favorite one because the the puns were on point. But essentially, it's like a a Titanic-esque movie, but it has to do with a ship turning into a sub. And the main actor of the movie is named um, Leonardo DiCameo. That's real good. It's so funny. Uh, and that's where you're introduced to, they're called the Seven Dragons. And essentially the rest of the game takes place going through each case with the Seven Dragons. And they're supposed to be the richest people in England. And very influential. Like one's the mayor. Um one is basically like a retail mogul. One runs a newspaper company. One runs a bank. I don't remember. Some of them are boring. Oh, one has um, like boats, all kinds of boats. Boat mogul. Yeah, as as you do. Um, so you end up going through their cases and they vary in whether or not they're entertaining or not. Some of them can be funny and... One thing that always stands out for me is um, it's the same way with Phoenix Wright games that like all the puns are really, really on point. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And um, then eventually you get to the like big mystery of the game, which came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it. And they're like, oh, these seven dragons have been up to something shady. I'm like, where'd this come from? I you mean, didn't like- hint at that at all. I feel like just with that name alone, you kind of have to expect, like, they're going to be into some shady stuff. Yeah, the Millionaire's Conspiracy tells you flat out that something's going to happen. But, like, there's no hints throughout the actual game until that final case. Hmm. Zero hints. And um, it ends up being, like, this really, really convoluted story. And um, I don't know if I should... Give a spoiler warning. It doesn't really matter, I guess. I mean, you can. Hey, spoiler warning. Yeah, move ahead like 30 seconds. Uh, it turns out the big bad is Ernest, her a- apprentice, assistant, whatever. And he's trying to get revenge because he thinks that he was robbed of his uh, money as a kid, his inheritance, because all the money was his grandpa's because there were diamond mine on his mansion property. Uh, but it turns out that he willingly gave up his land so that the dragons can have the money and then try and better England. And everybody's like, hey, we should arrest him. This is bad. And then the dragons are like, no, you can't arrest him. And basically end up, they're like, yeah, you're a good kid. Whatever. We'll set you up for life. And he goes back and works with, with Catriel again. Um, so I guess I should talk about the puzzles. I mean, yeah, that's probably a big part of the game. A little bit. <laughs> um, so I've always really enjoyed late in games, even though some of them can be infuriating when it comes to puzzles. And I've gotten to the point where I just will obsessively click on every single thing on the screen until I make sure I get all the hint coins because I know I'm going to use them. 
That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't feel like the puzzles overall were as hard as some of the other, like the Professor Layton games, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And there were a lot more of them that were tricky in the sense of like, like the one that I showed you that was like, how many times would you need to move the clock for it to be uh, show midnight after 3.30? And the answer is zero because you just wait for it to turn 12 o'clock. Yeah, it was like, it felt like there was a few of them that were just like, trick questions there are a lot more of those than normal like there was another one that was something extent of like uh you have so much gas and if you take people off the bus then you can go this far if you take everybody off the bus how far can you go and the answer is also zero because you took the driver off the bus you took everybody off the bus so you can't drive anywhere I mean, what if I just leave the bus and then put a, a brick on the on the gas pedal? Then it's going to go somewhere. <laughs> How do you think about that game? And then there's like another one where it's like, you're going up the hill. How much gas do you need to go up and down the hill? And like all you have to configure is how to get up the hill because then you can just run out of gas and go down the hill. But then I was like, where are you going to go with a car once it's out of gas at the bottom of the hill? I mean, how as as far as it goes, as far as momentum takes you. There's a lot more of, of that in this game, which was kind of weird that they would go that route. Do you think like but, it, it benefits the, the puzzle mechanics in, in any sort of way, or like is it more of a detriment? Um, Honestly, to me, I liked them because once I realized that there were going to be more of them in this game, I was quick to figure out, like, oh, that's what they're trying to go for here. Yeah. Um, So it, it wasn't as difficult for me once I like got the hang of them trying to do these trick questions. And I never ran into the situation where I could, I solved all the puzzles in the game. I used a lot of hints, but I solved every single one of them. And, um, which is crazy, by the way. Good job. I'm Um, proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't run into a situation where, like, I was texting you, Diabolical Box was like. Diabolical. It was evil at certain <laughs> points when it came to the puzzles. Like even with the hint coins, I, I got stuck a lot, and I just didn't know what to do. So I don't know if they're trying to make the like this version of it more accessible, but at the same time, I wouldn't ever recommend this to somebody who has not played the series yet, yeah, because w- a lot of the hints wouldn't make sense. And I mean, at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that. Is talking about Layton, like Professor Layton. Hmm. You'd be like, well, who's that? Yeah, I wonder if, like, if the the fact that this came to mobile first kind of is why some of that stuff is. But at the same time, I think you're, like, you're right. Like, if you're playing this strictly on mobile, I I don't think a lot of the Layton games are out on mobile. Like, I think the um, there's the Layton Mystery Brothers one mm-hmm. and this one, but I don't think there's any other ones out. And that's one other interesting thing is that Catriel is supposed to be his daughter. Right. And I can't remember the guy's name. It starts with an A that was in um, Mystery Brothers. But that's also Layton's kid. And he gets like a throwaway mention in this. But hmm. you'd think that like they'd bring him up a little bit because they're playing it up. It's like, oh, this is Herschel's daughter. 
ooh, she she gets the legacy of the Leighton name, and it's like he does too, and he's like ten years older than her. <laughs> How many people has Professor Leighton boinked out here? I mean, he's he's getting around. That's what I want to know. Is like who is boinking him? Because every <laughs> single one of these is like unknown mother, and I'm like, whoa. Although in her instance, spoiler alert. It doesn't matter anyway, because even though the fact exists that it's like, she's trying to find out what happened to her dad, nothing is mentioned about it again until the very end. And she's like, oh, you know, I'm sure dad's out there solving a puzzle somewhere, but I have to tell him that I have solved the puzzle he left for me. And essentially, like, the question is, um, if you're not my daughter, then who are you? So that would hint that she's not actually his kid so maybe he only boinked once <laughs> only once that's it <laughs> never again because uh, <laughs> well he's got the one kid although like again where is he you'd think that he would like show up as like a cameo or something they're gonna they're gonna they're saving that for the sequel obviously yeah i mean it, it's pretty much like the end of it is like cat will be back I'm like okay and I know I'll buy it because I suck and I can't just not buy it. But it makes me mad that like they introduce the game with two big mysteries and then just ignore both. Yeah, that's just bad. It's really bad. It you could have at least like hinted at one. I mean, that doesn't count as a hint. Um the ending of that. Right. Or you could have like solved one entirely and then like left another one. Or you could have solved part of one. Like you could have figured out where Leighton is, but like not actually located him yet. So like, oh, okay, he's out in this area of the world solving these puzzles. And then like by the next game, you can have her go to that part of the world and try and find him. You know? Yeah, but they completely just don't do either of those things. Like, like I understand, like, hey, you want to set up, like, a new franchise with this character, but at the same time, you if you're going to set up, like, two big mysteries that are going to run concurrent throughout the entirety of the game, you kind of have to solve one, at least yeah. one. <laughs> and, like, the whole thing with Cheryl is they have a thing at the end, and they're like, oh, hey, you know... I feel like I'm forgetting something. And then he says, you know, hey, when are you going to try and figure out my case? And then she says that she forgot to do it. And that's how they leave that mystery. So that's, it's... Oh, boy. Yeah, it was really, really irritating. Like, I didn't hate the game, but I didn't love it either. Because I feel like it's bad writing to just drop stuff like that. Yeah. Uh in a positive note, though, they had um, several mini games in this. Uh, they had one that's called Ideal Meal, which is hard for me to say. And all the different characters of the game will come to Catriel, and you have to figure out, based on hints of their personality, what to serve them. And then there's another one that is Hound in the Pound. <laughs> and that one, you play as Cheryl, and you have to like move certain ways to get to the the goal by moving blocks but Cheryl can only go in one direction and he'll um he'll only stop when he hits a obstacle right so that one was fun uh although irritating because I could solve them usually of the point where it's like 
five out of five moves or whatever, but ideally you would make it in four out of five. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And then there was another one that was um, passersby, B-U-Y. And it'd say like, this is their must-have item. This is what they will pick up if it's near them. And so you have to figure out placement in the shop so that you can sell all the items. And I really enjoyed that one. I had a good time with it. I can't remember if there's another one. I feel like there is. But I don't remember it, so must not have been that good, huh? I wonder since, you know, obviously the the ending of the game is like, hey, there's going to be another one of these. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, I would assume that mobile is going to be like part of the strategy since they released the first game on mobile. Yeah. But are they going to put this out on 3DS again? I don't know. Um, I mean, it worked well on the 3DS. But at the same time, like, not many. there's not many people developing through 3DS anymore. It's true. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the next one will be on Switch. Or maybe it's just mobile only. Maybe. Um, in which case, I probably won't buy it. It'd be cheaper. It would be cheaper. Like um, half off, I think. But it still is, like, it still has, like, in-game purchases. So I think you have to unlock stuff even after paying the the full amount. Yeah. Or maybe it's just the DLC. I don't know. 100%. I, I would probably... Because I think those are those games are like, or at least that one is like, it's fifteen to twenty bucks. So I'd assume that you're probably getting the full thing. It's not like the the Ace Attorney games where it's like, pay us a dollar and then oh you gotta you have to pay for the rest of the cases either piecemeal or for a bundle. Yeah, it's sixteen dollars on the App Store. I would assume that's the full thing. Okay, well. But I don't. But it's, ever since iOS eleven came out, you can't like check in-app purchases on apps anymore. So. Mm. That really kind of hinders that. One neat thing about this is, uh, and I guess it's kind of a shame that I never did this with Herschel, but uh, you can change her outfits after you get like little tokens that you can spend on on outfits. Mm -hmm. And she has some really, really cute outfits and each one comes with a new puzzle. That's cool. Uh, You can also buy like DLC outfits that you can dress her as like Luke from the original series or you can dress her as her dad all kinds of crazy outfits that you can pick up and like i said each one has a puzzle that's cool though um that's not just cosmetic yeah it's not just cosmetic and i like that although it's fun putting her in cute outfits and then going through the game but uh it doesn't carry over in the animated cutscenes, of course yeah (laughs) which speaking of the art's great which is to be expected because latent games always look really, really good. Uh, which is funny since A1 is the one who does the the cutscenes. A1 at times can be very good. And then at times they can be hot garbage. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I, I can't recommend it to somebody who's never been in the series. And I could only recommend it to people who are willing to like stick with it. Uh, because you get literally nothing out of this other than the introduction of the three new characters. Right. So, um, that's pretty much all I've got on it. Unless there's something I'm missing that you can think of. What if they just made another Layton versus Ace Attorney game? I'd buy it immediately. I really liked that first game they did. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. 
Like I, I love that it was like a real mix of the two games. Yeah, and like I really like the uh, the the mechanics that they put in the the Ace Attorney side. Mm-hmm. I I mean I skimmed through the the puzzles on the Leighton side because I'm bad at puzzles, but like I really like that game. Like I would totally be down if they made another one. But yeah, I would day one pre-order it. Doubt that's gonna happen anytime soon or nope. ever. Ever. Uh, but that game was real cool. They should. It was they should. Great. They should make another one of those. Uh, I guess it's my turn. It to is talk your turn. About some video games. Video games. So I played Blue Reflection recently. You did. Which is like a magical girl JRPG that came out September twenty sixth of this year, and then March thirtieth in Japan on PS four and Vita. Out here, over here, it's on PS4 and PC. They didn't port the Vita version for some reason, which That's is kind of weird. Vita never die. Hashtag Vita never die. Uh, this is from Gust, which apparently they've made some like other games, like they've made like the Knights of Azure games and some like other stuff that I've never played. So I think the big sticking point for this game was like with the marketing, and everything. It's like oh. It's just a straight-up magical girl game. And that's pretty interesting, because you really don't see a lot of, like, that genre transition into video games often. And if so, it's usually, like, with either, like, they'll combine it with something else. It's usually not just pure, like, this is just a straight-up magical girl game. Which I was so excited about, because I love this magical girl stuff, but... I don't know. There, it didn't there's, sound like it. Yeah, there's there's issues with it. Like there are parts of this game that I like. Like I I think the idea of like a good magical girl game is like super interesting and could be pulled off really well. And I think this game is a testament to that. Like you could there's there's a building block here for like, hey, you could make something really cool with this. Like either like with a a license or just like of something on your own. Like if these people can do it, like anyone else can. Uh, yeah. the school setting, like, I think the school, like, the school itself, like, the art design and everything looks really good. Like, it looks like just, like, they just plopped, like, an, an actual Japanese school and placed into the game, into the game, because it just looks so realistic, and, like, that's really cool. But the downside, like, every, the way, the reason, I think, why the setting and, like, the backdrops and everything like that look good is that there's not a lot of, like, places you can go in this game. Like, you're able to fully explore the school, basically, uh, there's like three floors, uh, six classrooms, and then some like club rooms, libraries, all that sort of stuff. Uh, there's an outside section. There's like a courtyard of the the sports field, and then like the front uh, the front area like for the front gate and all that stuff is. And then like once you go into like the the gameplay parts where you're like fighting things, it's not necessarily like a dungeon crawler. It's like you get warped to like these specific areas, and usually there's only like two areas per section, and there's like they kind of like uh, correspond to like emotions essentially, but there's only like three different like sections you go to. Like one's like a fire one, one's like this dark kind of gloomy one, and there's one that's like a water section. And then I think there's like a like a centralized hub that you can go to as well, but like you don't really do anything there. So there's not like these huge expansive dungeons. Like you're going to like the same spots over and over and over again once you're like going and fighting monsters and doing quests like that. So like that's that's kind of a bummer, I think. Like. There could be a lot more cool stuff, like stuff stuff around there. Uh, the bosses look great, though. Like, they look really cool. 
Like some of them just look straight out straight out of a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, you showed me that, and that was funny that they. I mean, they straight up look like some Final Fantasy motherfuckers. I think they're Sorry, called. Sorry, that. That's fine. <laughs> they're called like Sephiroth. So, it's so a little, a little yes, on the nose. Really, Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, like the, the, they look really cool, and like when you when you have to fight one of those things, like it's it's basically like this is a big boss fight. You're gonna be here for a while, and. And another cool thing I think they do is like in the battle system, like you can only do this for the boss fights. So, but any of your friends you make at the school, like they will, they will help you in the boss fights. Like, cause basically to, in order to like get a friend essentially is like, you have to like get them riled up in a way. And like one of their emotions will kind of go haywire and you go into the, the other world, which I think is called the collective. Hmm. I think I don't think this wiki page has what it is but yeah like you go in there and like you you have to like you find like this like uh it's like a sphere it's a it's like a a thingy it's like a sphere <laughs> thing descriptive I forget what it's called I'm I'm blanking real bad I'm No I just think it's funny that it's called a thingy <laughs> But like you you have to basically grab that and like get it rested away from demons and then, like, you have to, like, uh, the main character, whose name is Hinako, Hinako, she will, she'll, like, get it, and, like, she'll be able to hear, like, the inner voice of, like, whatever person she's, like, trying to to save, quote-unquote, and mm-hmm. then she basically has to figure out a way to understand those feelings and accept them, and then once she goes back to the real world, she's able to, like, kind of help that person, and then basically their, like, sphere thingy turns into a ring that they give to that person, and that means, like, they have memories of, like, of the magical girls going into the collective and and figuring everything out and then it also means they are able to help you in boss fights so like what that means is that certain times when like you're attacking they'll there'll be a pop-up and it'll be like okay these these characters are ready to do an attack or help you help and support so like some of them will be like hey i'll buff up your attack defense speed blah 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 some of them will uh, uh, bump up your ether which is like this other gauge that helps you do like the chain attacks together to do like a combo attack so you can like mm-hmm. do four attacks in a row essentially uh and then others will do attacks as well so like there's two of them that are like sports girls who like one of them just chucks a basketball at the enemy one of them serves a tennis ball at them <laughs> there's an, and then the other two who you get like really later on in the game one of them just pulls out an ar and just starts shooting the the the, the boss and then another one just calls in an airstrike how She's, what does she do in high school that she's able to do that? She's she's an actress. So apparently what? she has connections. I guess I don't know. It's really weird. Also, the girl that pulls out like the the, the machine gun is like just a scientist. So I what? I don't know. I don't know. You think that she would like uh, Victor Frankenstein it and throw like test tubes? Yeah, it'd be like the the girl on Oscar one hundred twenty percent who does that. But yeah, like I think that's real cool, and I think like that's something that like that persona could do where you know you have all these these characters that you hang out with and you you socially confident on up whatever you want to call it and you know some of them don't don't have anything to do with battles or anything but like they'll still like help you in certain ways like it'd be real cool if like they could come in and help you in some way like give you a buff like give you an attack or something like that like i think that's a really cool mechanic yeah i agree with that that'd be really really cool and i think like I'm the one person who's like 
been thinking about how like a, a Sailor Moon game would work in 2017. And I think some of the things like the way this game does combat and just the way it looks and stuff like, you know, it, it would be possible to do to do a licensed game like that and have it be real cool. But there are some negatives to this game. Yeah. I think like the the mission design when you're not fighting like a huge boss isn't great. A lot of it is just like go talk to this person and you'll go to the collective, fight some enemies and then come back and I'll give you an item. Go into the collective, pick grab these items, come back, I'll give you an item. Craft these items and I'll give you a new uh, ways to create more items. It's the mission design's not great. And it's basically the same stuff repeated over and over again. And it's basically just for you to fill time until you have to fight the next boss. And mm. also, like, the way you hang out with friends, I don't think is necessarily that great. Because you can, like, once you're done, like, with your day, you can go find someone you know and be like, hey, let's hang out for the day. And it's basically the game automatically picks where you're going to go. And then you just watch a cutscene happen. So there's not, like, much choice involved of what's happening. Um, there's, like, there will be, like, a choice here and there. And it'll depend... If you like, if you pick the right one, you'll get a bump in like your relationship with that person, and if you don't, it just like, it just continues anyways. So it's not like that big of a deal unless you want to bump up those relationship points to get those trophies and whatnot. There's a lot of this game that's just kind of let's just be, let's be real, it's kind of boring. Yeah, and that's a real, a real bummer. Uh, also, this game just just steers into like gross territories at times, and it's also a real bummer because like it could have been a lot better because the main i think theme is like is basically girls being friends with girls because like you're in an all-girl school like there's there's no male characters at all in this game but you still feel like even though like it's just like this camaraderie between girls and everything like that there's just like the camera is essentially the male gaze at times where, where like you know if you're just running around school like there's just boob jiggle on you if you if you go outside and it's raining you get wet clothes and you see through like the tops and everything that bothers me a yeah. lot it didn't happen at first like in the first half of the game but like near the latter half of the game like there's just like you saw a lot of panty shots Ugh. and then there's like there's a scene where like it's just all these girls in the shower together like they don't show anything and they don't necessarily like kind of talk about it, like but there's there is parts of it where, like one girl goes up to the other and is like oh your boobs are big <laughs> it's just like but it's way too an extended long of a scene and it's just like you feel real gross just like watching this play out and then also by the end of it as well like they're preparing for the culture festival and they're putting on a play of the little mermaid which is something you like but yep. they'll like is an understatement yeah it's true but like they'll go to they'll go like to like morning practice. But like afterwards, you'll go to like a cutscene where like they're in the locker room and like they're just all in their underwear. Why? Great, great question. Great question. Ugh. And I feel like at times as well, like there's just like camera shots that will just like hang on like their butts or their boobs and stuff like that. And it's just like this is real gross. Like this is this it's a it's it's not needed. Like nothing about this game needs any of that sort of stuff. Because if, like, if you're going to, like, go in that direction, like, you should probably just go ahead and lean all the way in that direction and not try and market this game as something else. Yeah. Which I think this game tries to do and just, 
once you get into it, it's like, oh, well, ugh, that's not that's not great. Uh, a lot of the writing, I think, is kind of just there. Like, it really tries to beat you over the head when, like, there's emotional moments. Like, there'll be this soft piano music playing in the background. It's like, <clears throat> this is the emotional scene. Prepare to get emotional. <laughs> and I don't know. Like, I just, a lot of the characters, I just kind of didn't really, like, eh, they were just there. Yeah. And it didn't really seem like they were that worthwhile. Uh, I guess I could talk about the story because I haven't really delved into that yet. Um, oh, before though, uh, there this game has an eighty dollars season pass. Oh my god, what eighty dollars? Why? And, and it's all just costumes. That's disgusting. Yeah, that's border. That's borderline the 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 Dead or Alive Five strategy which that's a free-to-play game but also all their season passages are like 120 dollars, and it's all costumes it's it's not great uh but anyways the story basically is that like hinako is this girl who used to be this like uh ballet dancer she injured her leg to the point where like they're the doctor's like yeah you're, you're never gonna be able to dance again like your leg is that badly damaged and she she basically starts going to high school which she'd been enrolled in but she just hadn't got, been going to uh, she starts mm-hmm. going there, and then she meets these two girls who are Yuzuki and Raimu, who they just call Lime, even though her name's spelled R-A-I-M-U. Hmm. Um, eventually, essentially, she gets kind of transported into the collective, and those two are there, and they kind of like lead her into becoming a magical girl, complete with magical girl transformations and all that sort of stuff. And so you kind of become magical girl they call you a reflector and in like the when you're when you're powered up and everything like you can move normally and all that stuff so like that's one of the key things for her is like oh i can move my leg and normal and normally and it works a-okay here but not out there and one of the reasons that like uh yuzu and lime kind of go after her they're like hey we need to defeat all these sephirot or else the world's gonna end so you know prototypical type of story but also, yeah. like, there's a, they give her a caveat of, like, oh, if you do this and help us, you can, you'll be granted one wish. Whatever you want. And so, like, throughout the entirety of the game, like, she's like, okay, well, if I do all this, I'll be able to get my leg healed. I can start dancing again. Yada, yada, yada. So you basically go through and, you know, do all your mission stuff for all your friends. Gather comrades and all that stuff. Uh, fight the bosses. And then basically around, like, 80% of the 80% of the game that you've played there's a twist cuz like a lot of the other characters that are in the school are like who like they'll constantly question you like do you know where those two came from cuz they just kind of showed up out of the blue and we have no idea like where they came from who they are or why they're here like there is no information on them whatsoever so like there's that mystery going on and then i think it does kind of an interesting thing where like lime is kind of like like a third of the way through the game she starts like turning very like cryptic and essentially she's like hey i'm trying to get all these girls to like get all their emotions riled up so we can get more spheres and get more allies so we can defeat these things like i'm just i'm gonna be blunt about that like i don't care about what they what they what's happening to them what their emotions are being like i just want all these things to help us so we can defeat these things faster and I think that's an interesting, like, caveat to, like, the, the magical girl uh, stereotypes and tropes and all that sort of stuff. Because usually it's like, oh, we're working together and all this stuff. And you have this one just, like, kind of being rogue and mm-hmm. flirting on the side of being bad, per se. 
of just being like, hey, I'm just going to do this and do this, like, cutthroat. And, like, it, I thought that was a surprising little twist. Uh, but the big twist is that you find out exactly, like, why or who these two are. So, like, they basically keep it from Hinako until, like, near the very end. And then Hinako kind of finds out that, like, she they're hiding something from her and they won't tell her. So she kind of freaks out and everything. But, spoiler alert, you know, if you want to skip past, like, the next minute or two. Uh, so the big mystery about those two is that they're dead. Ah. And, like, they were, like, sent to the collective, like, they, they're able to keep, keep their bodies in exchange for finding a reflector, which is now Hinako, in mm-hmm. order to save the world, essentially. And the reason, like, they chose her is that they went to one of her performances, like, when they were still alive, and they were just, like, really captivated by her. And, basically, they were, like, very much, like, fans of hers, and once they had this mission, like, they knew, like, she would probably be a good person to to do this with so that's why they choose her but like they also reveal that once they are done with all the sephiroths and they save the world they're going to disappear and be gone for good and and hinako will never remember them how'd they die uh i think it was like a car wreck oh okay something like that uh so you basically go through you defeat all the sephiroth and then like this this the the final boss comes in it's like it's called like death but it's like d-a-a-t-h Doth. Doth. <laughs> and it's like, it's basically the person who controls the world because it's the Sephiroth who had basically defeated all the other Sephiroths to win this world and kind of like shape it in whatever the way they wanted. So you have to fight that and kind of like prove your worth to it. You don't necessarily like defeat it because like at the end it's like, hey, hey, I'll come, I'll come back and fight you again. I can't wait. Let's go. Uh, but you basically defeat it and... Uh, Yuzu and Lime disappear. Uh, and then, like, once they disappear, you see, like, Hinako's like, what am I doing out here? Why? What? And then, like, it kind of, like, you get another cutscene that's basically a replay of, like, the very first cutscene you see in the game, where, like, she's, like, walking into school very, like, nonchalantly and sad and everything. But you also, like, hear those two characters' voice in her head, and basically she's like, Oh well, my wish came true because I I wish that I would never forget them. Even though like oh, they also said like, hey, the wish thing, yeah, that's still BS. We kind of made that up. Aww. So yeah, like it's it's very I think prototypical in terms of, like just storytelling. All of it like it's you're gonna kind of see coming and everything like that. And just like like I said, like the emotional bits are very just like on the head, on the nose of like, hey, you should be emotional now. And, like, I don't necessarily know, like, they earned those, like, emotional moments at all. Because they just really just try and beat you over the head with them. But, yeah, like, this game's fine. It's average at best, I think. Like, if this is, if you listen to this and you're like, yeah, okay, this that sounds like something I could be into. Like, sure, give it a shot. Maybe wait for it to be on sale instead of buying it full price. But if you want a good Magical Girl game, Tokyo Mirage Sessions is still out there. Yeah, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, I would say, is probably the best Magical Girl game that exists at the moment, yeah. in my opinion. And has less gross moments like this. Right. There's still some gross moments, but not as bad. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It's... And, like, not every single character is just like, hey, let's just zoom in on her butt for, like, right. five minutes. Right, And, like, it, yeah, that game just has better characterization, music, all that sort of stuff, so. Agreed. Better in every way. But, like, yeah. I think this game kind of does give me hope that, like, 
there could be a cool magical girl game somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. But this isn't it. Okay. It's a good framework, but everything else eh, could have been better. So I'm glad you didn't play it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Got to be the guinea pig of that. You want to you want to talk about a game that I played that I really like though? Yes. That I've been playing. I haven't necessarily beat it yet. Uh, I finally got around to playing Pyre, which came out uh, earlier this year in July. Uh, this is from Supergiant Games, the creators of Bastion and Transistor, which are two games that I adore. Like, I think those games are just amazing. So basically, I knew coming into this, like, I'm probably going to like this game because I've liked the previous two games this this uh, this development team has put together. Uh this game in particular is a lot different than I think the the first two games because Bastion and Transistor are very storytelling games, obviously. Like, this is too, but they're also just, like, action games. Mm-hmm. This, instead, is, like, it's still very narrative-based, and it's more of, like, a visual novel in aspects, but also it's a high-fantasy sports game. It's super weird. Like, the basics, the basis of the gameplay is that you're playing, like, this 3v3... Uh, team-based, I guess, uh, I don't know, like, what's a good sports analogy for it? Maybe something like soccer or hockey, where, like, you have, like, these things called pyres, obviously, and they're, like, they're flames, and both teams have those, and in order to score, like, there's a ball that drops down in the middle at the at the beginning of each round, and you have to grab the ball and get into the other team's pyre to lower their score and to, to eventually from 100 to 0, and that's how you win. Hmm. And a lot of the game, like, the their strategy, like, okay, well, you have to choose, like, which teammates you want. Like, so there's there's different, you know, they each have different characteristics. So, like, some of them will be, like, small and fast. There's one that's, like, just big and, like, very slow but can, like, take out a lot of, like, of the enemy characters. And then you have kind of, like, your mid-range people who are not necessarily fast and or slow, but they can kind of, like, they're nimble in certain ways. So, basically, you have to kind of, like, you know, figure out strategies for your team and then also figure out ways to get around the other team and what their strategy is. Uh, so each character has, like, different uh, s- skills and everything. So, like, there's there's one skill where, like, you can throw out, like, this giant projectile that if it hits an enemy, it'll banish them, which means basically they are, like, kind of disqualified for, like, a certain set of time, maybe, like, five to ten seconds. And mm-hmm. that kind of, like, gives you, like, a better opportunity to get to, like, your opponent's goal. And also you kind of, like, you have stamina, so, like, you can dash... Uh, you can do like a jump. Some some characters can like hover or fly as well. But basically, yeah, it's just you getting from your your side to the other and scoring goals. But also, it's very much set in like this high fantasy world where like you know you have like demons, you have like tree people, you have <laughs> little like imp characters. Uh, one character on my team is like a dog or something, but he has a mustache. Which there's a, I there, play with that character all the time. If I had that character, like they would never leave. There's a there's a cutscene where like you're in like this there's like this wagon where you're like that's how you travel around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, like he comes up to you and talks to you. He's like, so like these. I've been getting a lot of like reports of like people coming up to me and be like, hey, I think your mustache is, it makes you it seem real shady. What do you think of it? So like you can either be like, nah, it's good, dude. It's good. You're you're totally fine. Or you can be like, I don't know. I think they might be right. And I think if you pick that one. He'll come back and have shaved the mustache. No, no. <laughs> That's a tragedy. I, of course, went with like, hey, your mustache is cool, dude. It's fantastic, yeah. sir. 
But, like, so all the characters that you interact with are, like, they've been basically banished. Like, they've been kicked out of, like, the Commonwealth, essentially. Mm. And in order to, to get back, to gain your freedom back, you have to go through these rites, which is the games you play. And you have to go through, like, a set number of them. And in order to do that, like, eventually you'll get to, like, where you'll get to the final game and then someone will get their freedom back. Which is where I've basically left off. I think, like, probably it's going to be, like, I have to go through this loop constantly until everyone gets their freedom back. Because, like, the the person in charge of, like, your group is basically trying to plan this, like, coup d'etat and, like, overthrow the government. Because, like, it's kind of, like, this weird oppressive regime where, like, oh... We can just kick you out for no reason. Like, hey, you want like the character you play is is called the reader, but mm-hmm. reading is like highly illegal in that country. So like, if you can read books, like they're just gonna like throw you out immediately. But it's helpful for here because you can read like, uh, this book of history that tells you like what's happened in this in this world, and also that's how you kind of direct everyone. Like you're kind of you're kind of the coach essentially. But yeah, like it's it's real cool. Like. I was genuinely surprised, like, how, like, interesting the mechanics of the, the gameplay is. And just, like, and just, like, the interesting ways of how the world is, the world building, the characters, and the storytelling is. Like, it's real cool. And I'm very much looking forward to getting back into it more and seeing exactly, you know, how the story plays out. Playing just more of the game, like... There's an option just on the main menu. It's like, hey, you want to play with a friend? Just play the game part. That's cool. There you go. <laughs> it's cool that they give you the option, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, like, I I really like this game. Like, I think it's it might move into being my second favorite game from this 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 uh, this company. Like, I, I, I like Transistor, but, like, I definitely liked it less than I liked Bastion. And mm-hmm. I think I'm liking this game a lot more than Transistor, so... Nice. Cheap game too. It's like fifteen and twenty bucks. So, oh, that's not bad at all. Thumbs up. Let's talk about some Atome. All right, let's do it. The Atome minute, not minute, but like minutes. Minutes. Few the Atome. Few minutes. (laughs) Um. So I'm currently playing Bad Apple Wars, which uh, came out on Friday the thirteenth. Spooky in the states and it came out in november 2015 in japan <laughs> so it's a uh, been a while for it to, to come over here but it's an interesting atome because it's not at all the same kind of gameplay that i'm used to um which is kind of cool for me right now because i'm a little distracted by life so um this one actually doesn't require you to make like dialogue choices which is fascinating. Like I've right, never had yeah. an Atome where you don't make dialogue choices. You just go and find the boy that you're trying to hook up with, essentially. And once you find him, like you just continue his story. Um. So the essential bits of this game are um, everybody's dead. It's a common theme <laughs> uh, for these games we're playing, I guess. Yeah, your your main character dies within the first five minutes of the game. And they, everybody's in this high school where you have the bad apples who are the ones who are rebelling against the high school. And then you have the good apples who are the ones who are not rebelling against the school. And there's this whole ideology that if you're a good apple and you do everything right, that you'll eventually graduate. 
which they don't all know exactly what graduation means, but it's heavily implied that it's essentially moving into the afterlife. And there are seven unbreakable rules. And the seventh rule is basically like, if you eat the forbidden fruit, then you'll be expelled. And so the bad apples have interpreted that as if you eat the forbidden fruit, you'll be like revived. So um, it's really an interesting story. And the art is pretty cool to look at. It's really different from any other Atome game that I've played, but yeah, it definitely has its own like style. It does. It's really stylish. Um, so far, the characters have been interesting. There's been one that I was like, oh, that's a little, little squishy. I'm not sure I like that. Um, and I've only done one route to completion. I've, I'm in the middle of a second route. Uh, there's weird time stuff with it that I don't understand exactly how it's going to work for all the characters because essentially how it stands is that each character has been brought in from a different time period. Uh, so like you have a character from the 1950s, you have a character from the 1970s, you have one that was born in the early 1900s. When they're revived, they're revived to the moment they died. So it makes some of the romances a little strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a problem in a way. <laughs> But the actual lead up to like each story is really, really cool how it goes through the the seven unbreakable rules. Because it's also different from most Atome games in the sense that usually when you play an Atome game, each guy has his own set route and like certain events happen only in his route. Right? Right. And so this Atome game, it has the same story for everybody. Like everything is still going to happen in the same order and everything's going to still continue. You just have different events with them individually in between. So um, it's kind of like a different perspective of the same story. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the main character is blank. Essentially like a lot of the other Atelier games I've played recently have had much more well-rounded and interesting lady characters but not so much on this one they really wanted to be like self-insert character here that's you yeah that's pretty much exactly how it is and uh it, it's 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 really really fascinating there's this one character that i didn't expect at all to be in there but when you first are introduced to this character their like dialogue box says gothic lolita girl Oh, right. And then, like, within the first, like, 20 minutes of it, you find out, like, oh, no, this is actually a boy. He just really likes sewing and likes to look cute. And um, you find out through the game that his parents didn't accept that he liked cute things. So it's kind of like kanji, except for his mom was fine with it. Right. But he had a problem with it, so he'd always hide it, and um, his parents were ashamed of it. So at one point, he threw it all away because like his school was making fun of him his parents were making fun of him and he's like clearly I'm not supposed to like cute stuff so he just gets rid of it 
And when every character dies, they're given a soul totem. So it's like the most important thing to them that comes with them to the school. And his is his sewing kit that he threw away. So he uh, he ends up making clothes for everybody, which is really cool. He's a, he's one of my favorite characters in, in the game. He's very, very well-rounded. That's good. But um, the soul totems are interesting. Like um, the character that I'm trying to pursue at the moment his is basically anything baseball related like he he can it, it forms itself as a ball like it looks like a baseball at first but he can also like morph it into a baseball bat <laughs> that's how that works <laughs> yeah and um my favorite thing though is that like he can throw the ball and if he thinks it then he can make the ball explode <laughs> so he essentially has bombs um, the, the main love interest, the, the big canon one is the, the red haired guy and oh his, his, yeah, his soul totem, uh, is red string that he can totally form. I understand into, what that means. Right. And he can, uh, form it into a knife. <laughs> so he can, he can wish the red string into a knife. That's real dumb. Which makes no sense. That's real um, dumb. <laughs> one of the other guys has a sketchbook and anything that he draws comes to life. Uh, one has a guitar, but he doesn't ever play the guitar, but he can use the picks as like ninja stars, <laughs> which is freaking cool. Uh, there's this other character and she has headphones and a CD. So she doesn't fight with that. She just kicks everybody, which is cool. All right. <laughs> and they all make fun of her. They're like, you don't need a weapon. Your legs are weapon enough. <laughs> uh, but that's the neat thing is that you kind of, the characters that you can't date, you really get the knowledge of who they are and who they used to be. And there's some pretty gut-wrenching emotional moments with them. And you wouldn't really expect that as much from an Atome because usually they try to stick to like the main datables and round them out. Right, I mean, like, just from the games we've talked about in this, in our Atome series, sure, we'll mm -hmm. go with that, like, a lot of the side characters, you know, they don't get fleshed out as much mm -mm. compared to the, the main, main characters, but this seems like, hey, we have these side characters, why not give them good characterization? Why not flesh them out? Like, they're here, they should get the same level of treatment, right? It's really, really cool. Uh, I, I got really attached to one of them. So, well, actually, I got attached to two of them. The the girl with the headphones and the guy with the sewing kit. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're both just fabulous characters. And probably I like them better than anybody that I've dated so far. <laughs> but uh, it's weird that there's no dialogue choices and there's no actual gameplay mechanics. So it is pretty much a straight up visual novel. Well, there is one gameplay mechanic. There is. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. So one of the actual mechanics of the game is that if you touch a character, then you can get their memories. So throughout the game, you will touch the guy you're trying to date, and then you'll get the backstory of who he was before he died. Which, that's fine, because usually like you just touch the Vita, and you're like touching their hair or their face or whatever. And I mean, that's kind of weird, but... Okay, but then once you're trying to get to the endings, 
it's like, oh, I can touch deeper than before. <sighs> Which is weird, by the way. <laughs> and then it just, like, everything goes white. And then it goes to the same CG that you were just looking at. But both of them are naked. Ready T for teen. It's it's so weird. She has no anatomy at all. It's bizarre. Like, she's, I was she's trying a to look. She has no chest. It's not just that she's flat chested. She literally just has nothing there. Um, Apparently you go to the afterlife and just anatomy doesn't work. Yeah, no. I, I Well, I showed you anatomy doesn't work. Yeah. Like the, the redheaded guy is wearing like a thong <laughs> leotard with hip cutouts and side zippers. Oh, the side zippers. Yeah, and he's got like only bottom abs. And then the guy that I'm dating now is just shirtless all the time and has <laughs> anatomy that doesn't make any sense. I don't even understand how those abs would work. Um, one thing that's kind of cool, though, about this weird touching mechanic is that that's how you end up getting your bad ends and your good ends. If you just touch them normally in places that they like, you'll get the good ending. And it doesn't get lewd. It, it's like touching their face and their hair and their hands and that kind of stuff. Um, but with the canon interest, like his was, like one of them was touching part of his arm and then the other one was touching his tattoo. And he he just freaks out and you get like blue lightning around it. And that's how you get your bad endings. It's intense. Um, but it's also, you know, neat because you don't have to really work to get the endings. You just like have to poke around until you find his bad spot. It's not going to be like the last game where you're sitting around for three hours trying to figure out, okay, what ending do I not have? Why can I yeah. get this? Let me look on the entire internet and try and figure this out. It was a nightmare, but I don't have that issue here because it, it's just a matter of me finding that, that blue lightning spot. And one of the things that's really great about this is uh, usually when you play in a Tome, you have to make a ton of save files for the, the dialogue choices, which you don't have to necessarily do here. Mm -hmm. But each guy has his own file. Like each guy has his own tab of oh, that's saves. Cool. So you just can cycle through like through R and L and cycle to which guy you want and where his saves are and they're all color coded by what their like outfits they're wearing. That's a good system. It's amazing. I love it. Like that's seriously so good because I would always get really confused about just having like fifty save files. And so having the tab system is neat. And there's also a flow chart. Oh, that's that's also good. Yeah, it'll tell you like what percent of the game you have completed. It'll show you like what you've done in terms of the flowchart. And then again, each guy has his own individual tab to show you how far he's you've gotten in his storyline. It's fascinating. Like it's a really, really good mechanic system. Yeah, that's that's all very smart design. Like mm -hmm. why don't <laughs> it's it's kind of amazing like how a lot of Atomic games just don't have that. Yeah, no, like I've never thought about it before, but now that I've played something like this, I'm like, oh, all Atome games need this. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so I'm really excited about it, and I'm sure there'll be some more squeamish moments with it, but um, for the most part, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun playing it. Well, that's good. Yeah. 
Um, seriously, Atome makers, separate tabs, flowcharts, percentage. Please. <laughs> It'd be great. I mean, it's not like those games were that resource intensive, I would assume. No, they're not. So, like, that should be, like, an easy thing to throw in the back end. Well, I mean, obviously, we're not game designers, so I, me saying it an easy thing is an outright lie, but... Yeah, but I I would really like it if other Atome games did that, because, honestly, as weird as it is, that's, like, the best thing that's come out of this game so far is me just <laughs> yeah. loving the actual save points and the flow charts <laughs> and everything because like this works so well and it makes it less of a pain in the neck to play right yeah that because you're not having to like dive in and figure out where you are where right. you've been you're just okay i've been here i've done this let's go do this now it's neat well alrighty then so that's your atome minute <laughs> that was a long minute it was a long minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know how to be short-winded about anything. It's true, especially tell my games. Especially tell my games. I I have a passion. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's gonna wrap up this uh, very episode. Yep. We have talked about some good games, some bad games, some egg games, some pizza, some pizza. Oh man, I'd forgotten about <laughs> pizza. Now I'm back on pizza. <laughs> Uh, anyways, for more from us, check out SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com or SAC.cool for past episodes of this very podcast. You can go find the other episodes where we've talked about Atome games because we've talked about three other ones. Mm-hmm. Go find those. Uh, there's also other podcasts as well on there. There's a new Seasonal Anime Checkup mainline podcast. Jared and Al watch Sailor Moon Crystal is still happening every Wednesday. You should go check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also columns and reviews up on the site as well. You can go find Anladium at anladium.com for all her columns and reviews. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash anime checkup. Find all of our hot tweets <laughs> on there. Like me talking about how how Nintendo should make a virtual boy classic. Oh my god. It's the real it's the real the real new small re-release we need that would be that would be a thing <laughs> that would be a thing <laughs> you're not wrong uh you can also support us on patreon patreon.com slash s-a-c-o-v-a if you're so inclined to do so that'd be mm-hmm. cool yep uh next week I think it's going to be still kind of up in the air. I have an idea. I We're not going to talk about Fire Emblem here. Uh, Warriors probably next We won't Tuesday. have time to get yeah. through it. I have an idea, though. Okay. I like ideas. What if we talk about, since I just got this manga today, what if we talk about five centimeters per second? <gasps> yes. I think that would be a good stopgap episode. Yes. <laughs> I think I'll approve. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. And then probably the week after, and then the week after that will be Fire Emblem and Mario. Yep. Most likely. Unless Mario takes takes a little bit longer as well. Yeah, Mario might be... Uh, there might have to be a week between Fire Emblem and Mario because yeah, right. it might take longer. Oh, like, I, I get, Mario comes out the 27th, right? I have, like, a paper due that following week, so, like, that's going to be a great time for the game. Well, yeah, I, so, like, I have a wedding. We are going to be busy with other things. 
when that game comes out. So that's a little unfortunate. But yeah, yeah. we'll try and make sure to get it out. I mean, at least like if we're doing it the schedule we have, like the Fire Emblem episode will come out the week, the few days after, or the week after it comes out in terms of how the episodes come out here. We'll record it a few days after Mario mm-hmm. comes out. And then the week after, so that'll give us at least a week and a half. So maybe we'll play. Yeah. Okay. So maybe it'll give we'll, us at least we'll a little see. bit more time. We'll play it by ear. You guys just three days or however many. So if not, we'll figure out something else to do in the meantime. We have enough ideas out <laughs> there that we can, we can figure something out in the meantime. But yeah, uh, look forward to next week. We're going to talk about five centimeters per second, the movie and the manga get ready for your emotions and, don't confuse get that the manga is a light novel because you'll get very confused and open up and be like, there's pictures in here. There's a lot of pictures in here. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I really should have clarified. No, it's it's not your fault. It's my fault for being a goof. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next week, look forward to that. And uh, we will see you on the other side of Atome Games. <laughs>